Hey everyone, welcome to Coffee with Kayla. That's coffee with a K. This podcast is for those interested in health, positivity, current events, and just keeping up with me. I'm a boss, public health professional, coach, motivator, and your host, so I hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on this episode of Coffee with Kayla. I am pumped to be recording this for you guys this week because I have been so so inspired this past week by all the things I've been seeing in the media, whether it's been on the news or um, online or on podcasts that I've been listening to about women in politics. So that's my topic for this week. It's super relevant right now because the midterm elections are coming up. So I'm recording this on, uh, on September 26, 2018. Our elections are coming up in November 2018. So um There's a lot more women running for office this year than ever before, especially after the 2016 election. And um, so there can't be a better time to talk about women in politics and just how women are taking leadership roles nowadays and what that means to me and what that might look like for me or for you. So I hope to inspire you and share with you some of the things that I'm working on to put myself into politics. So last week's episode was on doing to dream. You know, we all have goals and aspirations, and sometimes they're really big, which is good. We should. Um, But sometimes, because that they're so big, we have to break them down into smaller goals to get where where we need to be slowly but surely, and and we'll accomplish those really big things in more, um, in in smaller chunks and maybe easier to tackle, right? So I shared some resources with you. So if you haven't checked out that podcast, go back, check out the show notes. On my website, I've got um, a link to the uh, PDF you can download for free um, with some of the resources that I put together to give you guys a roadmap and a template for how to write down your goals over time. So essentially what I'm going to do, what I'm working on now is filling out that same roadmap to figure out what little goals I need to make or goals along the way to reach my big goal. So what's my goal? (laughs) So I'm starting on my journey. I've shared this before. Someday I would love to run for public office. So I can't just keep saying someday, I'm going to need to (laughs) put a date on that, figure that out, figure out when the next election cycle is, right? So this is a big thing. I need need to take a quick drink of my coffee because I'm in gear now. I got to get some extra caffeine. Take a drink with me. All right, cheers. (laughs) Here we go. So um, I haven't decided what office that will be. I'm still doing research. Um, I, I look at public figures, uh, especially women like Amy Klobuchar, who is our, one of our senators, or Tina Smith from Minnesota, and I think that that looks awesome. I would love to be a U.S. senator someday. Um, what about president? <laughs> well, never rule it out, right? <laughs> so... I would like to start small, though, and really get more involved in my community. I We recently moved to Maple Grove um, a year and a half ago, and so I, I really would like to put myself out there more and learn what are the issues in my community and how can I get involved. And so 
I started researching a few things uh, last night. So I'm going to share them with you later on this in this podcast if you're interested in running for public office as well. So that you can know where to start to start looking if you're thinking about getting more involved. So why would I want to run for public office? You know, what's the point? So for me, I really love helping people. It's fun. And I love meeting people and talking with people, just learning about everyone's different circumstance. Um, I'm a doer, so I like to get things done. I like to make things happen. And I like to make meaningful, positive change. So when I become a public servant, which you can do that now, but as a lawmaker, I want to make the biggest positive change that I can and leave behind a legacy, right? I I think that would be so fulfilling. And as a Master's of Public Health student, And based on the experiences I've had so far in my life, I believe truly that policy can make meaningful change. And in order to progress in society, we need policy that's going to support that. So to back it up, some of you guys don't know me in person. So I thought I would just quickly share, like, how did I get here to, you know, to this desire? Like, you know, how does one decide they want to be a, a... congressperson or a lawmaker. So I went to the University of Minnesota Twin Cities and I started in 2008. Is that right? Oh my gosh, yes. I guess 10 years ago. (laughs) Time flies. (laughs) And I got involved in this organization. It's a student group called Colleges Against Cancer. And it was actually one of my roommates that brought me to that meeting. Um, I had no idea what it was. So Susie, if you're listening to this, thank you for bringing me to the first meeting. I really appreciate it. I wouldn't probably have known about it otherwise. And the organization, Colleges Against Cancer, is a student group associated with the American Cancer Society. So um, my story is I've had a lot of people in my life that have been affected by cancer. But at the time, the biggest, the person who had made the biggest impact on my life was my eighth grade teacher. And she um, was, you know, so persevering, never gave up when she had cancer. She was a teacher, and so she had to be with us at school, came to school even during treatment, said that she wasn't going to sit on her couch and feel sorry for herself any longer. (laughs) Poor baby. So as a woman in politics, which I'll talk about someone later who brought their baby to the UN recently, I am currently nursing my baby while recording this podcast. You're okay. All right, here we go. So my teacher made a huge impact on me, Mrs. Dosey. Um, and, and so I wanted to, I knew I wanted to work on cancer issues. I hated this disease and I knew I wanted to be involved and I knew I wanted to give back. And so um, I stayed really involved. And then the next year in college, I actually became their director of mission delivery. And so my job was to share with people in our organization and then outside of our org, you know, at any events that we did, especially Relay for Life. You know, we had the largest collegiate Relay for Life in the Midwest at the time. Um, share with them the mission of the American Cancer Society. So I would talk about how we do research and how we have programs to get people to treatment safely and how we can help them at any time. We have a hotline you can call to talk about insurance coverage or any questions, how we help 
we can help them find the right doctor, etc. And just naturally that turned into advocacy, really uh, giving people a voice, standing up for others and sharing um, some of the awesome work that the American Cancer Society's sister organization was doing. So that organization's called the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. So it's kind of a mouthful, but it's ACS CAN for short. Um, so they are the organization that actually goes to speak with lawmakers um, to talk about policy or issues that have to do with cancer patients and their families that would really benefit them. And you guys, th these issues touch lives of people who aren't just cancer patients or family members. It affects people, NCDs, people with uh, other non-communicable diseases, other chronic diseases, etc. So we're talking about big issues like healthcare, um, affording screenings, etc. And so uh, I was so passionate about this work and I became an advocate with ACS CAN. And the way their organization works is each, they have a volunteer that represents each congressional district in the state. So I represented one congressional district as a volunteer from Minnesota. And underneath me, we would have um, people who are ambassadors for ACS CAN and really work at the grassroots level with me kind of doing that community organizing and scheduling the visits for our lawmakers. And we would go and present, you know, hey, we need more money for cancer research. And this is why you should make cancer research funding a priority, etc. And so we would do that on the local level and meet with people, um, legislators in their district, and also at the capital um, of our United States, so in D.C. And so this topic really resonates with me right now because volunteers from all over the country right now are actually in D.C. doing their lobby day, cancer lobby day, to advocate for money for the National Institutes of Health and the National in Cancer Institute, etc or different bills for, say, colorectal cancer screening. And so um, this is such important work. So I would volunteer with them. I would go meeting with my legislator. I would see these bills being authored and passed by our local officials. And then I would see positive change really happening back in my district. You know, so money would come back to the University of Minnesota for these cancer research cancer research funding, and I would think, oh my gosh, I was in D.C., and I totally advocated for that, and if not for me or my fellow um, advocates, you know, would we really have gotten that $1.5 million increase or whatever we were asking for? And so um, living in the dorms across the street from the hospital, being an aspiring medical laboratory scientist, you know, also pairing that with my volunteerism and advocacy for cancer issues with the legislature, I thought, oh my gosh, like these real changes happening right in front of me and I get to see it every day. Like how lucky am I? And I became so motivated and very involved. And I haven't been as involved with ACS CAN or really involved much at all in the last couple of years because I've been working on my career, um, moving up at my job, just different promotions um, or school I just had a baby, and so, um, you know, things change, but you never lose something that you're passionate about. And so for me, I've really came to think, okay, you know, I need to get more involved in my community and learn more about the issues that are going on and um, 
and, and make positive change. So it is time to get back at it. Um, I know the idea about running for public office hadn't really occurred to me um, right away, I guess, or when I was first, you know, volunteering. It was actually my husband who, you know, I was having some different thoughts about my career, especially with uh, if I wanted to go back to school to get my master's degree. And um, I ended up choosing public health because I felt like it wasn't so specific. It, it covers, you know, population health and um, it also co- covers policy, community organizing, um, et cetera. And I could pair really well with my very technical science degree. And at the time, talking through things with my husband, he said, well, Kayla, you're always talking about being an advocate and how you love policy and how you want to do that with your MPH and how you love lobby day. Like, why aren't you a legislator? <laughs> and I was like, um, I don't know. That's a good question. That sounds really fun. That sounds right up my alley. And so he has never stopped talking to me about that. He keeps pushing me like, so when are you going to like get serious about doing this? And so I guess now is the time. So this week I decided, okay, I'm going to get started on my goal towards running for public office someday. And I found that there was a candidate listening session in my district, so I went last night. It was awesome, you guys. I felt so, you know, just motivated and I felt so much better about the fact that I wanted to represent people because at the meeting, I felt like there was no issue that I hadn't heard of and no issue that I really didn't have an answer in my head for. Um, you know, something that I could have said on the spot if asked about it at a forum. So it was a uh, at our government center. It was hosted by the League of Women Voters and our Area Chamber of Commerce. The format was that the League of Women Voters had a moderator and um, she would ask questions of each candidate. Each candidate had been given five questions ahead of time and four of them would be asked today and they'd have a minute or that at the meeting and they've had a minute to respond um, and then they took audience questions so there were I think 10 audience questions and each candidate had 30 seconds to respond to those questions and then each candidate had a one minute final statement to wrap it up and what I thought was really really interesting is that um they had one rule and the rule was no attacks on fellow candidates. So like no personal attacks. It said that that has to be included, but also like very interesting to hear that. And I will say all the candidates were awesome and everyone said we want to work together across party lines. There were a couple times where one of the candidates would say, actually, like I appreciate that stat that you might, that statistic you shared earlier, but actually when, here's how I see it or here's what I um, interpreted or here's what I think that statistic represents more clearly. So there was some agrees to disagree but no attacks which was great. And then there were timekeepers that would hold up signs saying like 15 seconds left or you need to stop and everyone followed suit. Um, so I live in District 34. It's if you um, just to give you some information it's this um, it's separated in half. So there's a district 34A and B, and I live in the B side. Um, each section A and B had a male and a female candidate. So I was really excited to see females running for office. And then also the cool thing was that these people, um, I, I saw one person, uh, one of the male candidates, he's a 
a younger person, so probably in his 30s. The rest of the candidates were probably in their 40s or 50s. Um, but So it was great to see women, men, and young people. Um, on the A side, the, the female candidates described herself as a mom. She said at some point in her life she was a stay-at-home mom, then she was a working mom, worked at the state legislature. She was a community volunteer on various boards and kept describing herself as an economist. The male candidate was the younger person, probably in his 30s. He was in the Navy. Um, he has experience in cybersecurity intelligence, and he says his most valuable quality is being a regular Minnesotan, and he's a husband and a father. And then on the A side, um, the female candidate said she was a small business owner. She works every day to help businesses foster teamwork and um, come to agreements and get things done. And she said that she um, would work across the aisle and was a proponent of clean environment, wanted to build bridges um, uh, across parties, like I said, and um, was really in it for small businesses. And then the male candidate, he was our current representative and he has served for the past four years. He does have a small business in our district as a lawyer and had gone to law school here in Minnesota. And he also described himself as a hockey dad. He's been a 15-year coach and on the board of whatever hockey league he is part of and is part of our city's Rotary. So all really good candidates, um, just regular people from our district wanting to make a change. They all kept saying how they just wanted to represent the people um, properly. They And a lot of them said that they're tired of just, you know, career politicians. We They wanted regu regular Minnesotans representing our district. So I appreciated that. The various um, topics of questions that came up, um, the given questions that they had a were able to prepare for was on transportation, tax um, reductions, um, free four-year-old all-day kindergarten, which is a topic right now in our state, campaign finance reform, and the opioid crisis. Um, actually, campaign finance reform is the last one they prepared for. Questions from the audience was, tell me about what you're going to do for the opioid crisis. Um, tell me about your energy policy and should we go 100% renewable clean energy to a clean energy economy? Um, what solutions do you have to keep our school safe schools and kids, sorry, our kids and educators safe in schools? Hot topic right now. Um, citizens, um, senior, their other question was senior citizens, how are we going to help them pay for these extreme pharmaceutical expenses? And um, the next question was, should the state pay for higher tuition to reduce costs for college students? Really interesting topic. They asked about whether or not they supported ranked choice of voting. Um, if the local government aid, how, how are we going to sustain local government aid in our area? Um, and then the last couple questions were, you know, what personal qualities make you an effective leader? Um, do you agree with that we should have mandated paid family leave? And how will you keep our lakes and rivers clean in Minnesota? How are you going to work across the aisle? And then how are you going to best serve our district and move our state forward? So really intense questions, but all super relevant um, and very, very important right now. Uh, I was so impressed 
with all of the candidates. I just kind of wanted to share some of you the things that I learned when I was there. I think that the candidates who, um, number one, answered the question directly right up front in the first sentence probably did better. So if they ask, you know, um, do you support going 100% renewables for a clean energy economy? The best answer would be, yes, I fully support that, or no, I don't support that, and then why? I think that's because there are a few times candidates answered, and then they would kind of go on this ramble, and then at the end you were still like, do they support it or not? And then you kind of forget, like, at anything they said. But if you, you can remember them saying yes or no, and you can get behind their rationale. Also, um, something that's just normal public speaking is making eye contact with our audience and the moderator. Um, a lot of the candidates kind of talked to themselves, I felt like. They were talking down, and the most successful and the, mo the candidate that looked the most qualified or, you know, say in a presidential election, looked most presidential or looked uh, like the they'd represent you well was the person who stood with their stature high. You know, they were they were all sitting by the podiums, but, you know, ha sat up straight and looked at us when they talked. So had their answers prepared. I think this was maybe one of the first major lis listening sessions and they were looking at their notes. So just being prepared and making eye contact really goes a long way. Um, saying thank you to the moderator and the other candidates, it was really classy. Our current congressperson would say thank you for that question and then move on. And I don't know, I feel like people respected him because he gave other people respect and was showing, not just saying I would work across parties, but showing that he could communicate well with other people. Um, I think that this event really taught me like, okay, I feel like I'm prepared and learning in the right ways. In my master's of public health school um, education, I've been learning about energy and safe water. And we talk about healthcare and dr costs of drugs. Um, I listen to the National and Minnesota Public Radio. There's conversations all the time on um, how are we going to keep our kids and teachers safe at schools, you know, talking about local government aid. The thing, the major takeaway I took from this is I need to delve more into specifics. So the other thing that I learned is I think the people with the most successful responses overall gave stories that you could remember so you could relate with them, but also named statistics that weren't overwhelming, right? So our current rep, I mean, he's got so much knowledge. He would say, oh, yes, I authored this bill, X, blah, 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 to reduce this, blah, blah, blah. And over time, I was just like, this is so much, so much data. Like, I can't remember and none of it makes sense. But when um, the, a candidate would say, oh, last year, Minnesota increased uh, funding for public schools by 9% up to 1.4 billion and left it at that like that's a stat I can remember it's two numbers it's all I remember is is a large amount of money and a nine percent increase so um, I learned that I need to research more of the bills that our governor Dayton had signed um, and in the past year to learn kind of the current state um, but also I learned that you are a better person, uh, you respond better as a candidate when you give simple facts and figures, but also relatable stories.
So I'm very glad that I went. Um, it was just an hour, so not a lot of time commitment. If you haven't gone to see your candidates, your local candidates, you really should. I wrote down tons of notes, and this is really like going to help me know who I really want to vote for um, in November. And then also I left my information with the president of the League of Women Voters that night. So I'm very excited for them to reach out for me and just to out to me and see, you know, what opportunities they have. Um, they're going to be hosting more of these forums. And the cool thing is they're nonpartisan. So, you know, if I am able to volunteer with them, um, I'll just be able to sit in and learn more about the issues. So I encourage you if running for public office is something you're considering or if you just want to know like what it's about, go to one of these listening sessions. It Afterwards, I felt like running was a lot less intimidating and like, yeah, I could do this. This sounds really cool. It's just normal people representing each other and knowing the issues. Okay, now I want to jump right into some of the things that have inspired me about women in politics this week. And this is a huge story that I it couldn't have better timing. I guess I never even thought I would ever see a story like this. So you may have heard New Zealand Prime Minister's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern just had a baby and she brought her baby to the UN General Assembly. This is awesome. So not just awesome because she brought her baby to work with her, but here's the thing. She is one of just three women to ever hold that post of prime minister there and she is the um, only the second sitting head of government in the world to ever have a baby or give birth during office. Wow. So the other piece that I find really awesome is that she actually took six weeks of maternity leave. And her deputy took over the governing while she was on maternity leave. This is so boss, you guys. This is so boss. So I know when I, you know, I just had a baby. I was planning for my maternity leave. There are a lot of thoughts that go through your head when you're planning to leave your job, especially if you are um, someone who really enjoys your career and um, it's one of the things that you feel like defines you. You know, like when I talk about who I am, like I'm a scientist. That's one of the th- things that I feel like defines me and I'm proud of it um, to leave my job and to worry like is it gonna be there when I come back or well you know what's am I gonna still be able to do the job when I return like what is that gonna look like how can I have my child and my career at the same time um, these are the things that women still uh, think about as much as people want to say oh we've progressed so much with women's rights yeah we're still needing to work on them Um, There's still a lot of inequalities in the workplace um, between men and women and other uh, minority populations. So I'm just so proud to see a public figure, you know, in global news, basically showing that she can do this, which really empowers me to say, I could do this, right? So for me, you know, I was like, I remember I was up for a promotion and, uh, I hadn't told anyone that I was pregnant yet, and I was a little bit freaking out, like, uh, what happens when I tell them I'm pregnant? And I know they can't discriminate, but at the same time, like, are they going to be cool with waiting till I come back to do my job? And it turns out my job totally was. 
that's awesome. I feel so happy and lucky that I didn't have to worry about it. But these are real issues that we need to work on. And in her country, um, I believe they get over, I want to say a year of maternity leave. I don't want to misspeak, but it's a long time. You know, other countries outside of the United States are a lot better at giving longer maternity leaves. And for her to even take one, I mean, that's amazing. Um, She took six weeks. And I know I saw on the news there was, uh, she had been interviewed by someone on the radio and they asked, like, is it okay in this day for a woman and for a prime minister to take maternity leave? And she looked at him and said, I can't believe you're, basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, I can't believe you're even asking me that. That is not a question that any woman should have to be asked in 2000, I think at the time it was 17. So, um, very cool that in her mind it's just like, no, this is an automatic right. And I agree with her. And that is the mindset that we really need to have. Women in power should have the same rights. Um, and we all need to be respectful that, you know, women, we're the ones who are bearing these children and bringing them into the world. This is, you know, to go on maternity leave to take care of our ch- children. This is something that we really need to do. Um, and then to go even further, to bring her baby to the UN with her husband taking care of her child while she's doing her job. So amazing. And it really represents, you know, where I think um, a lot of us are going and where we want to be in society, where we talk a lot about how we want parenting to be equal. And I will say, you know, as a new mom, it's very hard because my baby is dependent on me for food, right? Like, if unless we were feeding formula... Um, you know, my baby is dependent on me, so I'm doing a lot of the work. There's a lot of work that the the spouse can do as well. And so I just think it's awesome that she is um, someone that we can look up to as women and, and know, like, this is a possibility for us. Um, and, and then she's actually normalizing it by being a person you know, in the media that we can, some we can point to later, like, oh, well, you know, Jacinda Ardern did it, you know, it doesn't look so odd anymore, because there's already someone who is, you know, has that picture in our mind for us of someone who has stood out with their baby in the UN, and is a working mom, and I'm sure people had doubts about her ability to be prime minister, even pregnant, I mean, there's always that stigma of pregnancy brain, you know, I was always worried about that as a scientist. I'm, sh- I'm a sharp person. I never wanted to be accused of that. So um, I was so inspired by her this week, and I really wanted to share that with you. So I'm going to attach a link to the NPR article on her, and you guys can read up more about her and see the pictures of her husband or her partner and her baby and um, and, and really enjoy that story. So the other way in which I've been inspired this week is by reading Hillary Clinton's book, What Happened? So it's about what happened during the 2016 election, but it's also so much more than that. It's about her life and all the experiences that she has that got her to that point, and also all of the events and things that had transpired during and after the election, and kind of her reflections on it. So it's really, really interesting She's got a lot of really empowering women um, in her book that she writes about that inspired her on the campaign trail. Um, But for me, 
what I, you know, and I could share so many quotes from her book, but one really interesting topic resonated with me. So she talks about how men and women think about it how qualified they are and how it's different for both. So say you offer a man a promotion, he's probably going to say, yep, I can do that. I got this. You know, I'll do a great job. Even if he has zero experience and he's never done it before, a woman is probably more likely to say, are you sure? I don't know if I'm qualified, maybe in a year or two. And this resonated for me because I've been there. You know, there's been times where I've been offered opportunities and I'm like, I don't know, like this is, I've never done anything like that before. And I usually embrace stuff like that, but I do have self-doubt sometimes like, hmm, okay, and I'll still go for it, but I might be hesitant. And I think even if men have these hesitations, they don't show them. And that that was her point that um, we really need to be instilling uh, and empowering you know, empowering our women and saying, you can do this and you can have confidence and you can do anything, no matter what. And um, just ingrain that more in our culture because that's not how it is right now. So I'm recording this on the 26th of September. Yesterday was the 25th, which was National Voter Registration Day. Awesome day. So this is perfect because we are coming up on the midterm elections in November. You need to check to see if you're registered or if you need to edit your registration. Um, I'm going to share with you a really easy way to do this. So if you see an agenda, a political agenda that you want changed or policies you think should be different or changed, or if you want those policies to continue and you're happy with where we're going, whatever it may be, you need to exercise your right to vote because that's how your voice is going to be heard and that's how you're going to be re properly represented at the legislature, okay? So you can go to this website. It's called nationalvoterregistrationday.org. Go to that website. You can check your registration or change it. So if you recently moved, you have a different address or you changed your name, whatever it may be, this is a time to update your registration. If you're not registered, it'll take a few minutes, you can get signed up. This is going to make it super smooth for when the elections are happening in, um, in November. And also, it's going to help you, you know, make sure you actually get to the polls, right? We have long days. We're working a lot of times during the, the elections. So you don't have this excuse like, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm registered. I don't know if I have the proper information with me and you end up not voting. No, we don't want that to happen. So if you want your voice to be heard, you want to be properly represented, and you then you should definitely check out nationalvoterregistrationday.org. I just want to let you guys know that this website is sponsored by the National Association of Secretaries of State and the National Association of State Election Directors. So this is not a political um, or a partisan website. Check it out. Thank you all so much for listening to episode five of Coffee with Kayla. I hope you enjoyed learning about my dreams to someday run for public office, to represent people, to help people, to meet people, just to get excited about our community and some of the things I'm doing to try to reach my goals. I encourage you again, if you have not 
go learn about your candidates and make sure that you register to vote in November. Thanks very much, and I look forward to our next episode. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Kayla. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please subscribe and leave a review. You can stalk my Instagram by following me at Kayla underscore Cerulean and check out my website for more content at ceruleanonline.com. Thanks again for your ear and remember to be a light in the world. Until next time, have a good one.